We are studying the book of Genesis for the purpose of making applications, and we are in chapter 43, and I think you'll see easily some of the applications that need to be made. Uh, I struggled a little bit with this particular sermon because it could be just a duplicate of last time's sermon, but I decided to go a little bit of a different direction. I think that you'll appreciate some of the applications that I see in this chapter and some of the things that you and I can immediately apply to our own lives. Are you ready? Here we go. As you know, we always provide five questions so that you can kind of monitor our progress through the lesson and uh, be filling in answers as we go. There they are, five questions we hope to cover in this really interesting lesson, chapter 43 of the book of Genesis. All right, by way of opening, I want to share with you a passage that kind of sets us up. But the topic's going to be when the mercy of God unfolds in front of you. You know, how do you react to that? What should you do? This is the introductory passage. I'll give you three points that will be right here in just a second. But let's introduce the, the chapter first. And when they had eaten the grain that they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, Go again, buy us a little food. So they've had their first trip. The ten went down there, and they got their, their food. One of them doesn't come home. You might recall Simeon's still down there. And they get home. They've eaten up all the supplies. And Dad says, Hey, you, you got to go back and get some more. And uh, they... Uh, they begin to discuss how to do that, and essentially they say, we can't go back unless we take our little brother Benjamin. Dad doesn't want that to happen, but eventually he gives in, or they're going to starve to death. And so, verse 13, take also your brother and arise and go to the man. That's interesting how he'd say that, to the man. The man. We, we kind of have that phrase today in our world, the man. You know, he's the, the man, the one who's kind of over everything. But it's interesting that Dad is saying that about his own son. Of course, he thinks his son is dead, but uh, he's not. May God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, and may he send back your other, other brother and Benjamin. Because remember, Simeon's still down there. As for me, I am bereaved of my children. I am bereaved. You know, he says the last few years have just been really, really tough on me. I've lost Joseph. Yeah, he thinks he's dead. And now i got to send Benjamin away. Simeon, you come home. I had to leave Simeon in Egypt. He says, it's just you know, like life is coming undone. Verse 15, so the men took this present. And you can read the previous context to find out what that present is. Uh, and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. They arose, went down to Egypt, and stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men to dine with me at noon. This is the introduction to the story of when God's mercy unfolds. What I'd like for you to do during the next three points is I'd like for you to put yourself in the place of the brothers. And I'd like for you to consider what's going on. You know, at this particular time, they've got to be, what in the world? He's bringing us to the house. Last time we were here, he treated us mean. He talked to us harsh. You know, he made us leave one of our brothers behind. And now he's going to take us to his house to eat? They have to be a little bit confused. Okay. So what are some applications you and I can draw about when the mercy of God unfolds in front of us? How should we react? Number one, I would suggest to you that we should react by having an introspective attitude. Be introspective. That means to look inside, to, to have some self-examination. I'll get to this passage in a moment, but that's my second point. What I wanted to get to you first, so I was down through 22. And the men were afraid. You can understand why they would be afraid. There's some introspect. They're looking inside. They're thinking, How, why in the world would he be doing this? What's going on here? Last time we were down here, things weren't good. Now all of a sudden he wants to take us to his house? 
You know, there's this introspective moment as to examining their own motives, examining their heart, examining their fears, looking inside of what's going on. It says, Joseph asked, and they said, it's because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we brought in, uh, that we were, that's the reason we are brought in, so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. It's kind of interesting how this is happening. You might recall on the first trip, they finally admit, Joseph overhears it and has to run out to room and cry about it, but they finally admit that uh, this whole mess is on them because of what they did to Joseph. Now, they're admitting in their heart of hearts, introspectively looking inside, you know why this is all messed up? Because of what we what happened to us last time. Now, we didn't intend to bring the money home, but somehow it got stuck back in our bags, and now he thinks that we're not just spies, we're also thieves, and this isn't going to be good. So they're scared to death, as they should be, that this, the man, is bringing them to his house. Introspective. Now, let's apply this to you and I. Whenever you get a blessing from God, no matter how what the size of the blessing is, but especially when it's one of those big ones, you ought to ask yourself, why in the world me? You ought to be introspective. You ought to look inside and say, you know, I know I don't deserve this. I recognize that I am a messed up individual. I am constantly doing the wrong thing. My heart's not where it needs to be half the time. My brain's not where it needs to be most of the time. Why is God blessing me? Every time you get a blessing from God, you ought to be introspective and ask yourself, why me? You ought to. He deserves that. Because you certainly are not deserving of what he has given you. And so be sure that whenever you're blessed of God, that there's a little trepidation with it. Why is he doing this to me? I know that I deserve hell. I deserve to be separated from him forever. And yet he's given me these blessings. Why me? Always be humble enough to not expect it. So one thing I really struggle with, with this generation that we've raised recently, is it's like they they expect. Oftentimes they don't even ask. They just say this is what's going to happen. They just expect it to be a certain way. God forgive us. When God gives us blessings, and there is no such thing as luck for Christians, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's God. So if you've got something good happening in your life, it's because God put it there. But every time that good thing comes your way, you need to think, why me? You need to take self-assessment of who you are and recognize it's only by the grace of God that you are receiving these things. Be introspective. Number two, I would say be comforted. Um, As you move down, that's the passage we just read. Then you get to verse 23. They're going to say to, I I should have read the whole thing. Basically, what they're going to say is, this is why we're here, this messed up. And so they're going to go to the steward, and they're going to say, here's what happened. And they're trying to find an ally with the steward, because they're scared. And the steward is going to reply, peace be to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then they brought Simeon out to them. Be comforted. As you receive the mercies of God, first of all, always recognize you don't deserve it. But he gave it to you. So be thankful. Don't expect. Don't demand. But understand that because he gave it to you, that you're under the grace of God and you need to make sure that he gets all the thanksgiving that you can possibly muster within your heart. But then number two, 
be comforted that you are being blessed by God. Now, some of us, I know we wake up this morning and we've got aches and pains, or maybe we lost a loved one recently and we're very, very sad, or we've got financial problems and we're really concerned, whatever it may be. And so we can say to ourselves, but I got this problem, I got that problem, etc. But here's, you're still drawing wind into your lungs. You still have ears to be able to hear the message. You've still got sight. you still got the ability to communicate. You know, there's, you've got, you got blessings out the wahoozie as far as things that God is presenting to you and your life that you ought to be thankful for. And so, number two, be comforted. You've looked inside your heart and you've recognized, I don't deserve this. But be comforted. Back to our passage. Notice what the, the steward actually says. The reason your treasure is in your sacks is because of the God, the God of your father. Isn't it interesting how it all points back to God? Again, I quote it from the book of James. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. So if you got something good in your life, that's from God. Give him glory. The steward understood that's what was happening. The second thing, though, that's interesting that I didn't underline, but notice that they brought Simeon out. So Simeon is going to be reunited with his brothers before this meal happens, and that had to be a comforting thing as well. So the mercy of God is unfolding in front of you. What do you do? Look inside and, ask, and remind, remind yourself, I don't deserve it. But then number two, but I'm getting it, so be comfortable, because God has his attention on you, and he's blessing you. And then number three, be in awe. Just let it overwhelm you. When Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present they had with them, and they bowed down to the ground. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brothers, and he sought a place to weep, and he entered his chamber, and he wept there. And so you find the story as it unfolds that Joseph finally, with his brother Benjamin, he's excited to see his brother Benjamin. His brother Benjamin doesn't know that Joseph is his older brother. And his other brothers don't know that Joseph is their brother, but he understands the situation. And it's just overwhelming to him. And it says that his compassion grew warm for his brothers. Up to this point, no doubt, every time he looked at him, he had to think to himself, how could you hate me so much as to sell me into slavery? But now his attitude is changing. And I'm not saying that he didn't love them with have a compassionate heart from the beginning, but you know that up to this particular point, a lot of testing was going on. And by the way, the testing's not done yet. But a lot of testing was going on. But once Benjamin shows up, his heart melts. And he has to run off to the side and have a time of weeping. But then verse 33 is where we really gain our point. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Now, the passage doesn't really say for sure. It doesn't seem to give us concrete uh, uh, evidence as to what's happening here, but it seems to be implying here that Joseph arranged it that his brothers would be seated in the order of their birth. At, at the very least, we got the, the firstborn in, in a place of honor and the youngest in his place. And so they're seated in their order. And they're amazed either by that or just the spread that's out on the table of food, you know, that they're in the house of this guy who rules over Egypt, you know, whatever. But they're amazed at what's taking place here. They're in awe of how this has transpired because they go back in their mind and they remember what took place their first visit. This guy didn't even like us. 
he talked harshly to us. And he kept one of our brothers back for security, you know? And then now we show up a second time, and it's like we're long-lost friends. He brings us into his own house. He sets us in order like he knows us. They're amazed at what's going on. And then it says portions were taken from them, uh, or excuse me, to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. One of the parts of the passage I didn't get time to put up here tells us that the Egyptians believed that it was an abomination for them to eat with the Hebrews. And so Joseph is sitting in a different part of the house. I suspect that he was probably able to oversee what was going on in the part of the house where his brothers were at. I don't know. But uh, I suspect he would want that. And uh, anyhow, whatever happening, Joseph's by himself. His brothers are over there. The only reason I bring that to your attention is because as this story is beginning to climax, surely his brothers and years later on would go back in their memory and remember how this played out. Joseph is playing his part quite well. He's setting everything up. He's given them no reason to believe that he is their brother, other than one little hint, and that is sitting them in his, their right order. Uh, and uh, he also, by the way, is very curious earlier on about the father and and little brother and you know all that kind of stuff, which is another little hint. But by sitting himself, seating himself separate, he continues to play this role of testing his brothers to see what his brothers are going to do, how they're going to respond to everything. Now let's go back and review. So when the mercy of God unfolds upon you and you're just like overwhelmed by what's happening, number one, make sure that you really satisfy God's desire for thanksgiving. Make sure that you look into your heart and introspect. Make sure you look into your heart and recognize, I don't deserve this. So be sober-minded about the blessings that you receive. Number two, be comforted. Understand that if you're being blessed, that comes from God. And if that comes from God, God's got his attention on you. Don't waste it. Be comforted. And then number three, just flat out be in awe. A way that God is giving you what you desire and what you need. I know I've said it too many times by way of illustration, but it's my big one. Every night, just after dark, I take and go down into my backyard, and uh, it's, it's out there a little ways, just on the edge of the woods, and that's where my chicken coop is at. And because my chicken coop is away from the house on the edge of the woods, and therefore, you know, it's open to predators and that kind of thing, uh, I, I always put my chickens up of an evening. I put them into the coop and lock the door, and so they're secure up inside. But once I'm done with that process, I stand and I look up at the big, tall trees that are stretched out in front of me. And just beyond the trees, there are stars. And there's one particular star. I call it my star because it, it happens to fit right in between some of the limbs that I, I look at quite regularly. And uh, I just, I am in awe. I'm just amazed. Now, I've got hurts and I've got pains like you do. This past week, my truck went kapooey and so we end up having to sell it because I can't get the thing started. And I, I it, it builds. And I could go on whining about all kinds of stuff because, honestly, I, I've got issues in my life. I've got troubles. I've got things that bother me. It's, but I'm telling you, every night, just after sundown, just after getting the chickens up in their coop, and I look up at the stars and I see them still twinkling over my head, I say to myself, in spite of all the various things that I could complain about, my God is awesome. 
I am so blessed. He's looking at me. He's letting me. He gave me eyes to see those stars. And I'm in awe because of the mercy of God being unfolded in my life. I hope that you can make the same application in your life. So here's the three points. And watch this passage. I think this is cool. Isaiah 30 and 18. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. Notice how it starts. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. I stand at the door and knock. Reference about Jesus. God waiting on us? Seriously. But then notice how it ends. Blessed are all those who wait for him. God waits for us to call out to him. And he asks us to wait for him to come get us. And all of that centers right here on mercy. When the mercy of God unfolds on you, be, I have suspect here, it should be introspective. Think inside. Be comforted. Be in awe. God's got his, he's got his focus on you. Here are the five questions. I think we covered them pretty good. You got them? 